my jizzle jams. Ooh, you got a you got a breaker box behind your your upper right shoulder, just in case you need to flip that power off if it gets too hot in there. Sorry, <laughs> that's right. It's just yeah. like the pod got too hot. You know, it's if we uh, blow a breaker for the pod being too hot. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Which one is it? <laughs> you count on the thing. You're like one, two, three, four, five. Hey, Paul, tell me if you see a hot pod come back on. Let me know if you see a hot pod. Is it this one? Is it this what about one? This one? Hot pod about right here. Nope. Yep. There it is. Oh, oh, now the disposal went off. Okay. Welcome back, everybody, to the most awesome Brandana Sports Podcast coming at you as we always do. And we have a dynamite episode 117 for your eardrums. Guys, do us a favor. Please subscribe. Leave five stars. Tell a friend. Shoot us an email at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. I am Brandana. With me, as always, appreciating your social listening. Most awesome. Ooh, I like that. A little, little play on social distancing. I get it. Make sure to keep this pod six feet away from others. <laughs> That's right. But uh, share it with them. Share it with them, yes. Yeah, Electronically. Definitely do that. Yeah. yeah. You don't, don't even worry about the six feet. Just If it comes down between social distancing and getting in the pod, getting the pod is the number one priority. I think right. the, uh, the, C, the CN, whatever came out and said that. Okay. That's, might have to edit that out. We'll see. We're going for it. That's <laughs> right. Do. I'm good. I'm doing great, man. Um, we've got a little memorial weekend. Well, as as you're listening to this, you're listening to this on the memorial holiday, of oh, course. Yeah. You're celebrating uh, memorials all around the world. Or I don't know why we saw. No, we saw celebrate for the veterans that are out there. Um, but yeah, you know, we're we're getting ready. We're going to do a little family time. We're going to see uh, some some family carefully, cautiously, obviously. But we're going to go out there and do it. It's been, uh, everyone's been quarantined and healthy for the last two weeks. So we're going to go and uh, bridge that gap. Oh, cool. Uh, where are you heading? Are you guys going out or is people coming to you? We're going out. We're going to Cousin's house down in Illinois. Um, Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll that's, be fun. Uh, that's, that's all the cousins that are the same age as your kids? Yeah, roughly the same age. Yeah, exactly. They're a little bit older. Kamishat 2.0. They're stoked uh they have the same you know breakdown as us two two girls one boy uh the boys are very excited to see each other as well too so it'll be a good time it'll be fun it'll be uh close to normal as normal can get in these times which will be nice fair enough well if you guys are traveling out thanks for switching on our podcast we've got a jam-packed episode 117 we're gonna rip from the headlines we're doing last dance doc part Mm. two of two uh, we covered a little bit of that like three or four weeks ago, and now the series is done. We're going to jump in and talk about it. Inbox, we got two emails there doing the Neapolitan Showdown. Um, staying on brand, we're going to do the top sports documentaries. We're going to jump to the Brandana Gambling Corner, how to win your online poker game. And we'll finish with, the as we always do, with our MVP of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, you're our power. Starts now. Extra, extra, read all about it. Talking front page story all over the world. It shook up men, women, boys, and girls. The headlines there. If you want to be rich, then you better make sure that you got your shit. Come on. All right, bro. Ripped from the headlines. You're doing Last Dance Doc Part 2 of 2. Why are we talking about that this week, brother? Oof, because uh, uh, last Monday, we got the f- ninth and 10th installments of The Last Dance 
put a nice little bow crescendo on the story of MJ. And uh, I think you and I were moved so much by it that we, we needed to, to talk about it. Yeah, it was wild. Cause I know like obviously all the other sports podcasts out there, there's a limited amount of stuff you can cover. And I feel like a lot of even our favorite sports podcasts are hitting on this cause it's yeah. hard not to. And I would, I don't know if it's almost, you know, good for the doc coming out. I wonder like how much it would have maybe not got swept on the rug, but especially kind of going expanding over the five weeks that it did with two episodes. If we wouldn't been able to kind of get this, this macro coverage that it has been getting, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad it did. Like, I'm glad that I know I would eventually watch it, but maybe waited to binge. Like, is this the greatest doc series to ever happen, at least in the sports world? Ooh, that's a good question. I know we'll get it. And I think when we do the Nia too, like we don't always go on brand. Sometimes we do. And mm-hmm. obviously it's going to be top three sports doc, not counting. Uh, this one, right. Dance. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it was uh, just on the macro, like what it brought to me. I think the, the overarching thing on probably what this documentary really highlighted is it was to have Michael Jordan just be that candid. It's a level of Mike that we've never seen like that. Cause we had, yeah. we had Mike when he was coming up and, you know, uh, I think it made a great point. Everybody remembers like just the way you branded yourself was different. You know, you branded mm-hmm. yourself through endorsements, McDonald's commercials. Like there was no Twitter. There was no kind of like social media aspect. Mm-hmm. So to see, and then he kind of got this new reputation as he got older as just like, you know, this, uh, this GM that's just kind of not cutting it or like kind of not finding success. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he, that I know we talked about it last time also just kind of that hall of fame induction speech where it's just like, is this guy an asshole right. but to be able to just kind of put it in and really sit down with Jordan for like 10 hours. You're just like, I get this guy and I really like what I'm seeing. Yes. Yeah. I think from, from that now, obviously there's probably, there's criticisms about the documentary about its authenticity and, you know, framing Jordan in, in a light into which is kind of best suited for him. And, and it's not like a, a raw documentary where you're just getting all these sources and, and compiling a, a true narrative story. But I, I, I think for what it was or is, it is probably one of the best versions. And I would say it is, it, it, it shows the complexity of this guy who by and large, most people have a, an understanding on a surface level as to who this guy is like ultra competitive, big time winner, probably a little bit of a jerk. And there's something under brewing underneath there. And I think like they did a good job of, of uncovering that and letting him be authentic. And he allowed himself the ability to be, or, or to be seen in that authentic version of himself, you know, kind of warts and all, you know, some people might look at some of the his tactics as a little fucked up, but we can dig into it a little bit more. I think that's the thing that's most endearing about him is, is that he had this code and this, this commitment that I, I would really love to dig into deeper on the, on the macro of who this person is and why he was successful. And I think he truly honored it, right? I think he truly yeah. honored what it meant to be, this ultra competitive basketball player. And I think he focused in on the right things, the things that we ask players to do. You know what I mean? It's like, he he didn't, he, yes, he had endorsements. He did movies and things like that, but it never ever took away from basketball. Like his understanding of what basketball, basketball is going to be the thing that brings him everything else. And if he, if he steals a little bit of commitment from basketball and applies it somewhere else, we don't have Michael Jordan anymore. And, and I think so few people understand it, especially today with, you know, 
I want to be this mogul now and I want to have my, my fingers in all these pies. And it chips away a little bit of that, that basketball potential. And he never was willing to sacrifice that. Yeah, I saw that because I think we see at the end of episode seven, he has a little bit of a breakdown when he kind of holds up his finger. I think it was seven. Mm-hmm. It was just like, just like, because he kind of starts crying. But what makes him start right. crying is just like, I was competitive and like, this is just kind of like the level and standard I held myself up to. And you kind of yeah. feel like his philosophy the entire time, uh, one of his maximums that he holds true to is just like, if you can't take it from me, your teammate, how are you going to be able to take it from these guys when we're in the trenches? Yeah. And just the way he says that, like, you can tell it's not a platitude. Like, it was it was a galvanizing technique that he believed in and that yeah. he saw work. And he even said that in a while, was just like, I did this so everybody would win. And guess what? Like we fucking won. So right. how do you want it? I, I did want to circle back to something you said that uh, I would challenge anybody that felt like this documentary was a little uh, more of a hype machine and a little too edited towards his narrative. Like I know some of the stuff coming out right now is like, we didn't see a lot of his family. We got to remember too, is like, this isn't a documentary about Michael Jordan. This is a documentary about the last about his family, right? Had. Yeah. So it's just not. I, so I, I would challenge that as just like I, that can be off limits, but I feel like everything basketball related when you show him those interviews, like when uh, we see what um, Gary Payton said about him, like, mm-hmm. and he watches all the response. Like I thought he and watching him like be an asshole during like some practices and just like pushing people and like almost like bullying people. I, he just had an expl- uh, explanation, and it seemed true, and it seemed it seemed like if it was going to be something filtered, we see a lot closer to that Gatorade commercial, Michael Jordan. But in Mm -hmm. this one, we saw one where, you know, he's dropping F bombs and everything and it's in there and he's explaining why. And even some we don't, you know, like after they knock off the Pacers and he hugs Larry Burr and he's just like, you mother, I think he calls him like a motherfucker. He goes, he goes, fuck you, bitch. You bitch. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's insane. Easy to cut out, but he's just like, no, that's who I was. That's who I am. That's how I acted. And it's like, I, I earned those things. Yeah. And I think it definitely is. I, I do. I think definitely when people people will look at that and and bristle at that and not understanding today, today's era is so much different and there's so much more of like a, oh like a, a false humility in these in these competitions. It, it, Michael Jordan was of, of the most competitive sports to get into. Right back then, there was probably 360 positions available in the world. So we're talking. And every one of those guys are super competitive. It's not like these guys are just, you know, woke up out of bed like, oh, I'll be a ba- you know professional basketball player. He wanted to be the alpha of all alphas, meaning he wanted to be of the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. And like, and it was in every step of the way, there was somebody nipping at his heels, trying to take it from him. You, you see the Knicks battles, the Pacers battles, all the, you know, Utah Jazz, everyone was gunning after him. And I think like for him, that's what he needed in order for everyone else to get on that same level. And sometimes to be a leader, he talks about it, to be a leader, it it has a price to win. It has a price. And he also said, he's like, I didn't ask any of my teammates to do stuff that I didn't already do. Yeah. And and that's one of the other things that I, I found so interesting is just we, we don't focus in on the sacrifice uh that jordan made not just like the winning and like the work and everything like that but like the like the true sacrifice i think it goes back to the the crying jag that you know that where he he broke down is is because it's all in that it's all in that conversation it's it's not just sacrificing his his body and his time and his energy it's sacrificing time with his family it's sacrificing his inability to go out and have a normal life like he can't go out and go to the grocery store like you and i can 
and I, and I kind of think about it now and people are like, oh, well, he makes millions of dollars and yada, yada. Well, we're all in the midst of a global pandemic and everyone's freaking out that they can't go to the grocery store and they can't do normal things. They can't go to a movie or anything like that. That became his life and he sacrificed that for, and obviously he got lots of things out of it in return, but the sacrifice became something ultimately that I don't know how many people are willing to do that. I think that's what separates a lot of people, quote unquote, winners is the sacrifice of, of everything around them for the sole focus of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I get what you say. That's a little cause and effect. I would push back a little bit because I think okay. over the sacrifice, because I don't think you walk in there. Sacrifice to me means that it's kind of a coin flip. And even though you do it, like it's a tough decision. Because I think for Jordan and for those ultra competitors that the sacrifice is born out of a selfishness almost like a narcissism sure. of like having to be the best and like whatever that's the drive and whatever like cause and effect that causes just like that's fine so i don't think you look down and just like i'm only sacrificed this it's more of just like i have to be the best and it's just like okay well by the way like uh to be the best like you're not gonna be able to hang out with your family and you're not gonna be able to shop at grocery stores or go out to movies it's just like fine fine like, like whatever like that let that bring what it may like i just have to be the best right so you you don't you don't see it for him as having like a weight or like a, a pause to decision or do you think he reflects back as an older and as an older jordan now and understanding i did give up these moments i did give up birthdays i did give up all this stuff i i do, I do think and i think that's what kind of gives you the little bit of the bristly attitude which i think for jordan is completely justified because i think he's just like why are you guys going to keep fucking question on how i did this like right. i got you guys six fucking rings and you just come back and it's just like oh like he's kind of a jerk it's just like fuck off right. like and i think that's where you can start to get like a little sour on the fact it's just like i miss my kids you know like i didn't say like i miss all these birthday parties like i, I miss like like well, what are the like, receptions for anything like it created right. distance between my wife and i like i didn't see my he saw his dad a lot but it's just like i was on the road all the time like i didn't right. go to get to movies or eat in restaurants and it's just like I did all that for to feed this thing that I had to be the best, but I did it for you guys also. Like I, I fed right. off your guys' energy and I gave it to you guys. And now all you guys can be is like me being the best isn't good enough. Like now it's also just like, couldn't you have been nicer while doing it? And it's just like. Right. Couldn't you have been this version that we wanted? We wanted you to be this winner, this ultimate competitor, this version of you. But now we, now that we got this, well, we want to yeah, exactly. we also want you to be this way as well, too. It would have been nice if you said you didn't call people fucking hoes, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Like we would have liked that a little bit more. And it's like, no, no, no. I, I gave everything to be this consummate winner. And I do appreciate like the fact, and he said this before, this isn't something that's new, that it's like he understood that if you were going to see him play basketball, it was his responsibility to give you his best every time. No differently than when he would go out into the you know hotel lobby, that might be your only time to see me up close and a weird sort of you know, feeding that narcissism. But I also yeah. want to make sure like I don't look like a, a slob and I don't look like a mess. He was always like pretty much well put together anytime he left his room because he understood the gravity of, you know, it's this weird kind of snake eating its tail, if you will. He, would, he, he desired to be this, but he understood that people wanted to, to consume it and if he was, he was going to give him the best version of himself. That, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does, and I, I do, I do believe in that. Like, I still think it's a little. I still think it's uh, the cause and effect. I still think it's the effect when he's just like, oh, like I want to give each person that comes there like my best EJ, like these yeah. people like deserve. I, I think it's more of like what comes first. He's just like, he has to win. 
he just has to win. Like he has to like find a reason to like hate these people and just like hate the whatever opponent he's playing. Like finally, yeah. just, just like go insane and play his best. And he gave that. But what I do found fascinating is is you're right. If you want to talk about kind of what you miss out on, um, it's like the world's not built for someone to be that famous. And yes. it just it almost becomes like contradictory because you're just like, oh, I'm famous. Everyone knows me. So now I'm isolated from everyone. Yeah, right. Right. You you reach this. I mean, he reached reached a, a level unto which I think very few people reach. And it, it's yeah. it's something that um, it, it was it would feel good, but you just don't really get to enjoy it because it's just like it's just pandemonium. Like, you know, what I'm saying like it's just like a no, like it's just like you know, like you and I, like everyone likes attention. Everyone likes fame. Like I, yeah. like whatever, like I, you know, like I was an actor or whatever for a period of time. It's just like, it's sure. nice to be seen and acknowledged or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but, absolutely. But, like, but what's nice about that is other human beings being like, oh, this guy is valuable. I see his value. And you get a share in that collectively. Like we all go out to a bar, like after a play I wrote or something, and you're just like, right. Brand, that was great. And then my friends around there, that was great. It's just like, that feels good. Yes. Now magnify that times a billion. Yeah, he wins a sixth championship and has to go hide in a hotel room because he'll (laughs) literally get mauled by like thousands of people. (laughs) So it's just like, yeah. Can you imagine that feeling like just like winning a championship and then just like kind of close yourself off in a hotel room? Like, I mean, it's just got to be so insane. It's it is, and it's but it also also like and stand up comedians talk about that a little bit, right? I mean, I know it's on a totally different level, but just as you were getting on a roll, because I want to give you this and you take off with it, just kind of that feeling of you know, literally forty minutes later, being like going from being the center of attention and on this buzz to just being like shut off in like this little hotel room. Oh no, I I I I agree, and the thing that I think is is amazing is his ability to do that, but stay like focused right and and his mindset to be clear because that's why stand up comedians you you know you have the greg giraldos and you have all of these guys that unfortunately succumb to all these other vices outside of that and you could sit there and make the argument that he did that with golf and gambling and and everything else like that but um but he again it was like that that warrior's code where it's like i understand these are the stakes this is what i'm giving up and I get this, but ultimately I can't sit here and just like be like Dennis Rodman and go fucking to Vegas and yeah. blow off steam and do whatever. Uh, I, I I am more committed to this. And I guess people are going to argue over the Atlantic City thing. That was a one-off. Dennis Rodman was a, a hot mess 90% of the time. But he was like, I'm not going to sacrifice any of this stuff. Like I'm not going to sacrifice my reputation and my my standard of excellence for you know going down these rabbit holes of you know you know using drugs and drinking in excess and and partying with women and all this other stuff yeah it was that it was that um man we could talk about this forever this is fucking fascinating. you're nailing it brother uh it was like uh it was that quote when they lost in 95 and his personal trainer like come up to him i think it was 95 right Yes. He lost yeah. the and personal trainer comes up and he's just like, uh, like, when do you want to start? Like, or just give me a call. And he's just like, I'll see you tomorrow. Right. And it was just like from that day on. What? Let me ask this. Yeah. Is the level, did Jordan change the level of commitment? Like, cause I know like, so who, who'd probably be the most famous person of our generation? Not that uh, Michael Jordan's not, but just the level of commitment would have to be like Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you hear him about like first one in the gym, last one out, like still yeah. shooting fucking shots like after the game. Did Jordan pave the way for that? 
Um, no, I mean, there was guys in various ways. I mean, Chris Mullen had great stories about where he would play 40 minutes in a basketball game. And Chris, Chris Mullen battled substance abuse, uh, alcohol uh, early on in his career and then would go play 40 minutes and then go on the treadmill and run for, you know, 90 minutes thereafter. I mean, there was a lot of guys that had great work ethics for sure. He was the one I think that definitely um, understood that being the best, being the best that he wants to be means he's going to have to rise to a level. So he, he probably, he probably outworked all of his, you know, the people around him. I mean, they talked about it in that space jam cut where it was yep. shooting two hour break, then shooting after night. I mean, he didn't sleep. And some guys are, are like that. And like the NBA or professional athletes are just, they're just built differently. They can go longer. They can go harder. They can put more in, in, and he definitely did that. Um, but I don't necessarily know. I wouldn't necessarily say that he paved the way for this like unbridled work, you know, work ethic or paved the way for like, well, this is what you got to do work ethic wise. I think there was, I think he, he was the one, like he was the one that really took the personal training, I think to a different level, especially the body training him yeah. and Gro him, him and Tim Grover, uh, you know, um, uh, Kawhi Leonard worked with Tim Grover after the fact um, they, they were, they, but they were so, um, they were so dialed into not just his body, but his workouts that they even did like shooting drills with like strobe lights, flashing strobe lights, because it simulated a close mirror to like games when people are taking pictures, flash Picture. photography in oh, the, wow. in the yeah. stadium. So it's like, they, they understood it and they probably ratcheted it up. That was the thing that, that Jordan was, I mean, was, was hyper aware of in, and it had a greater understanding of the game, I think, and had more thought about things from a basketball standpoint that I would think that more people spent time in there. I think that was as much, as much of the physical workouts, it was the mental preparation that he was really, um, that he was really different in, in, in compared to his, 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 uh, you know, other, his opponents. Yeah, I just watched the documentary. It's like, it's amazing because I didn't remember. And it was really, I mean, there's some of those games I didn't remember how it went through. Like, I think he was playing the Pacers and he does that double clutch three and it almost goes down. Yeah, right. It's just like, which is nuts. But there's just so many, so many just like clutch game winning shots that he hits. Uh, maybe we should start this earlier, but I do want to ask you the super macro and see if you can boil it down to just the most pure substance you can. Like, what made Michael Jordan the best of all time? was it was it that like he just like just hitting weird angle shots was it how quick he could get to the basket was i mean i know it's like a little bit of a total package deal but i was sure. just looking at the highlights and i'm just like all right why why is he better than you know i know there's things that there's plenty of players steph curry shoots a better three like you know there's better uh slashes that get to the basket easier there's better like everything but it was just like what about him just made him like the most fearsome guy on the court and it was i and i don't like using this because i don't think it's specific enough but and i want you to answer but it was just like i don't like just the performance and clutch time was absolutely just incredible yeah it was just I, like all these like shots he was hitting i think it's the perfect combination where everything I mean, because first off, Michael Jordan. Let's let's you know give give everyone credit. Michael Jordan isn't a, isn't Michael Jordan without a lot of the cast and characters that go around it, right? The the Scottie okay. Pippins, the Horace Grants. But it's like 
at the same time, it's this confluence of events of um, you have a, a physically superior athlete, you know, in, in the, you know, there is none other than Michael Jordan run, jump, you know, incredible size hands. I mean, he's 11 inch hands. He is like a, you know, a perfect specimen of basketball. Then you in, you know, you infuse this highly competitive motor, this, this sense of never being satisfied, the, 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 the mental. So the thing that makes Jordan Jordan is, is the mental acuity of his, him, his mindset and just be able to, to focus in the way that you talk about, like, you know, and I'll, this is probably hyperbole a little bit, but it's like the yeah. way like painters or the way artists can like focus in and get into this, the detail he literally he's, and I wrote this as a note. I mean, he's a, he's a poet laureate of basketball. This is what Michael Jordan is. And it's the mindset to be focused enough in the moment at the time to understand what it's going to take and to be so focused and to block everything out, to block all the noise out, to, to block all the doubt out. Right. And that's the thing we all, we all hammer ourselves that, that internal coach that we have that says that we're not good enough, that we can't do it. He, he shuts it all down. He blocks it out and he singularly focuses on this very specific task and accomplishing this. So when you put all of those things together, not to fact, not to mention the fact that he has this uncanny sense of timing and place and the understanding of the moments of what are going on. This is why this makes all of this in this documentary. You can't, you can't have all of these things come together so perfectly to happen at once. And I mean, I was just looking at, I mean, for the timing sake, sake of it, you look at, you look at the final shot, right? Against the jazz, the holding of his, his arms and his wrists and the, the emphasis in that shot, even yeah. Leo DiCaprio comes backstage and they go, that was poetic, man. I mean, everyone gets it. He got it. He understood the sense of it. The flu game where he's, or I guess food poisoning game where he's walking off and he's holding and, you know, Scotty's holding him under his arm and he's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of crumbling as a, as a human because he's just given all that he could. The shrug at, in Portland, right? You've got, you know, when Nick Anderson says, you know, 45 isn't 23, and he comes out in the 23 jersey the next night. I mean, you can't make, I mean, fuck, for Christ's sake, the, 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 the documentary came out in the middle of a goddamn global pandemic. I mean, what better timing does this guy fucking have? He gets it, dude. He is, he is focused on it. He understands the moment better than anyone, but he yet he is able to block everything out and, and focus on those tasks. You put that with his athletic ability, his drive, his competitiveness. There, it's, why we, it's why we crave this stuff. It's, it, it, it's why I love sports so much. It's the personification of everything that we can be as people in this one moment. Now I'm getting off the rails. Now I'm getting off the rails. I love it. No, I think uh, Jordan was kind of one of the exceptions where buying into his hype made him better, yeah. right? Because I think sometimes you see it's just like, oh, like they're the best of all time. They're the best of all time. And they kind of get lazy or like rest on their laurels or just like kind of come off this smugness that's just not inspiring to be around. Yeah. Like when he thought he was the best and people were saying he was the best, like he became like even better. 
He was right. just like, let's, let's do this. That's right. Like I do make clutch shots and hit him. Um, all right. We'll finish up with a couple more questions real fast. Um, who regrets being in this doc the most? Mm. Uh, probably I was thinking about it. Probably Jerry Reinsdorf, right? The yeah. owner of the bulls and the white Sox. Um, they're just, you know, his, his, his reasoning for why they blew it all up. His, he, he looks inept. I, he looks, he looks. Yeah, I did. And you're right. I do, I do like that he owned a little bit. Cause uh, I'm guessing Jerry Krause refused to be interviewed. Right. They don't well, ever he, interview him. He, right? he, well, he died. So he's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I know they had like earlier interviews. So yes. I didn't, I didn't yeah, right, right. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Okay, so no, that's, that's fair. Uh, looks like, so he wasn't involved in the black side. Well, I just, um, and then owner of things, I guess it is a nice thing where he didn't, because that would have been an easy time to kind of throw it on Kraus, but he did seem to own it a little bit. Like this was our game plan. He did. He did. But it just makes you seem like one of two things. Like you, like it, it, to me, I got out of it is, is like Reinsdorf didn't have the appreciation that we all had for what was going on. You want to talk about having a sense of the moment. Reinsdorf had no sense of the moment, right? He was like, eh, well, it's going to be a lot of work. We're already kind of down this road and I don't want to pay these guys way more than the, what they're worth. Let's not remove from the equation. You set attendance records for the better part of a decade in Chicago. I'm sure you weren't selling tickets for the same price you were in, in 85 or 84. I'm sure the price of those tickets went up. The value of your franchise went up exponentially. And yet you're like, well, we're going to have to pay Scotty a lot of money. And none of those Ron Harper, Jordan, all those guys were way overvalued. So we're going to go into this total rebuild. Yeah, that's fine. And, and, and that absolutely makes sense. And he still owned it. And I yeah. guess you can see the re rebuild because you also trust the process because you're just like, okay, like we did this once with all these guys, like we can do it again. So maybe it's Yeah, I mean, he buys into, he buys into Krause's, you know, it's, it starts with an organization. I'm sure he was feeling a little bit, oh, well, it's, it's me too, as much as it is Michael. Well, now it's becoming two contradictory things to me then. Are they trying to say, because you're right, and I do want to ask you the question that, do you think what Jordan said was right? Like they could put it together to run it back for like a seventh chip and do they win? But I thought like the, the kind of the, the first domino in this is Krause saying Phil Jackson isn't coming back yeah, no yeah. matter what, if, even if they go 82-0. Right. And, and that's one of those things where as the owner, you could supersede that. You could overrule that pretty quickly, understanding. But, I'm, but, but not knowing what it was in 98, how probably bad it had gotten, maybe Reinsdorf was like, well, you know, Phil, I don't know what kind of, you know, nuisance Phil Jackson was. He's, you know, he has not been a, a flowery person. He can have, he could be bristly at times. Maybe he had worn out his welcome. And so it was like, okay, we'll let that chip fall. And Jordan's saying he's going to go, well, it's going to cost a lot of money. And I get that. We're going to have to pay a shit ton of money for these guys. Scotty is fucking, you know, pouting because of his contract that I told him, he, you know, that, if, if you sign this, I'm not going to, I'm not going to re up you. I'm not going to pay you more money. So you better be happy with it. And now he's being petulant. You got Dennis Robin, who's acting like a lunatic. Ron Harper was on his last leg and they had Tony Kukoc and it's like, well, let's just blow it up. Um, but you could have overruled it. You could have realized what was going on. I mean, you could have, you could have done what you, you could have tried to keep the band back together and defend your title. Yeah. Um, all right. Closing this down. We got more show to do. Great documentary uh, documentary series. You should check it out. Uh, it's available on 
I know Hulu Live, if you have that, uh, yep. definitely take the time to show this through the 10 hours. Uh, everyone's staying inside. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to show my kids this. I, I literally, I'm like, when they get oh, a yeah, we play, like, yeah. I'm totally gonna show my kids this. You know, I probably will so, show them the TV 14 version, so it gets edited out some of the stuff. But yeah. maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. Maybe they need wait, to learn. Is, is there an R version where you can hear the curse words where they're not? Oh yeah. Them? If yeah. Shit. Yes. I totally if, got fucking robbed. Yeah. We don't do that for the maybe sports podcast. That's for sure. If you go, no, no, no. If you go to ESPN Plus, that's where I watched it on. Um, they have them all there. They have the TV 14 and TV MA version. I have, uh, I have plus, but it asked me what my cable provider is also. Oh, all right, guys, you're, you're not listening to figure it out about my fucking <laughs> bills. <laughs> all right, real fast. Uh, favorite moment of the doc. I'm going to go with, um, on father's day, uh, when he wins that fifth chip, I don't know when they beat the Pacers, I think, or maybe it's the fifth chip. Maybe it wasn't no, positive. It's, it's, it's the, it is the fourth one because that's the first of the three Pete when he comes back. Okay, yeah, uh, just him like legit balling like, yeah. down on the floor in the back room might be like the like the realest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think um, for me the the favorite scene is and I don't you know spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it is the the final episode or the final episode final scene where they're all coming together. Michael Jordan again. I told you he's a poet laureate of basketball. Writes yeah. a poem. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Go, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Writes a poem. They all create this like little ceremony. Put the thing in the bucket. You've got the the Pearl Jam song. Yeah, it's it's a it's great. It's oh, fucking it's great, man. It's I might, so good. I might run this thing back. I like, ran it back. Too. I ran. I watched all four of the last episodes again over yeah. the last two days. Um, I will definitely run this back. I I'm not. You know me, Brandon. Brandana, I'm not a big like rewatch this shit. I will yeah. 100% rewatch this. Yeah, this almost seems like kind of um, so it'll be a little bit more often than like The Sopranos, but it seems like a like a once every like three plane flights or something, or maybe it's just yeah. always downloaded on your iPad, so you can kind of fire it up when like you got a little bit of layover or something. Like it's just kind of your go-to. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> definitely like, or maybe you're like starting your fantasy football draft. You just need to get fired up, like whatever you need to be inspired by. <laughs> This will give you uh, what you need. All right, perfect. Let's jump into the inbox. Okay, our first one here is get real. Um, why wasn't there one scene or joke or hint of having a toilet on any spaceship in Star Wars? Uh, it took place a long time ago. Have we evolved into having poop shoots? Banger. Um, oh, this is this is this is teetering on your. You're just I, I staying know. for all, all, all poop centric conversations. Yeah, you're above this emailer. I don't. I can't tell if you're trolling. Me. If you're, I know you're a follower of the pod, so you know I don't talk poop. It's probably up your alley of like head trauma. It's not funny. Oh, burn unit. That's a little inside right there. <laughs> burn unit. Um, so I get like, do other bit like Star Wars is kind of a serious movie. Do other serious movies like had like does Top Gun have a toilet scene? I don't know like why we need to see kind of the mundane like part of everyday life in Star Wars. Yeah, no one needs to see Han Solo like coming out of the can with like a newspaper or whatever like, you know, exactly. whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I did feel like the scene, I forget which one it was. I think it's the first one where they like went down the chute and they're in that that like trash compactor. I feel mm -hmm. like that there was like a little 
you know, like that's a little sewagey runoff. There's a weird like snake thing about to eat everybody. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like toilet adjacent. Like at least yeah, you need yeah, to have yeah. some sort of interior aqueduct system set up to keep things flowing out. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, in in the Death Star, it's definitely yeah, like a, it's the plumbing. It's not uh, it's not good in there. Okay, did uh, did Spaceballs make any kind of joke about a toilet? I feel like that. <sighs> I'm sure they probably did. I don't Bad know. Ass. It's been a while since I watched Spaceballs. Yeah. I used to love. I I love Star Wars. I loved Spaceballs growing up. I what you know the kids watched all watched all of the Star Wars movies. You know I haven't seen them all. You haven't. It's like, a, no. I've, it's I've a, seen like Clone Wars at some friend's bachelor party, like when I was just out of high school, and I saw like Rogue One, which was a good time. Yeah, I haven't seen the the most recent one because um, I think it just came out. The girls were yelling to me that it that it came out. They it was very sweet. They wanted to watch it just because I watched it, but it was like to watch it with like a six and a three year old is like infuriating. Because like, who's that? Why are they doing that? It's like, oh, God, damn. <laughs> this is we'll have to revisit this later when you get it. You're on your own. Um, <laughs> all right, next email. Um, one from uh, Stacy here. Oh, um what's pc uh what's growing up was uh, acceptable but would no longer be politically correct in modern times for example the panty raid scene in revenge of the nerds and if you haven't seen that movie recently you need to watch it rewatch it it's so good um all right well stacy we'll call your bluff on revenge of the nerds because i haven't seen that in about 30 years we get stacy on for a little date night Ooh, like, yeah, I like it. I like that where she, email is. I like that she that the the most PC thing that she pulled out of it was the panty raid when basically one of the characters pretended to be uh one the the the, the one sorority chick's boyfriend and then proceeded to have sex in the, <laughs> I know, in the I know, book. I know. Like that's a little bit more egregious. I, I, yeah, a I panty raid. Yeah, I also like Stacey's email because she's just like, what doesn't hold it? Like, what's not PC? She's like, that's not PC. By the way, this movie still rocks. Like, you watch it, she's like, perfect, blind eye. Um, yeah, I, I would say there, there's a lot of tough hangs in those late 80 comedies. Like, that scene you're talking about specifically um, is obviously race. You know, but like, it's, it's a big, dark road. I don't think we need to go too far down. But no, I no, 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 like, it's uh, definitely not. It's my, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there's just a lot of classic stereotypes in that, yeah. but it's because it is, like you said, it's the 80s. It's a little, the rules weren't so, uh, uh, you know, tight, if you will. Yeah, I think there's a lot more. We can go here. We can talk about this. A lot yeah, more drinking yeah. and driving. I don't even think drinking and driving was. Yeah, it's just kind of rare to see like a drinking and driving scene now. But I think then it was just like kind of. Yeah, if you have a drinking and driving scene now, it's like way more like leaving Las Vegas and you're like, ooh, this guy's yeah, a real piece of, of shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And less like, look at these rapscallions going out there having a good time. Wasn't there a scene like Weekend at Bernie's where like someone actually had sex with like a corpse? Didn't like yeah, Bernie's yeah. clothes? Bernie, yeah. B- Bernie got it in, man. <laughs> Bernie's clothes. A uh, lot different times uh thanks guys for that email if you guys want anything for us to answer shoot us an email it may be sportspodcast at gmail.com say so we're gonna get you on well, let's do this revenge of the nerd things we'll do a deeper dive on this email when we watch that we'll figure out all the things that don't hold up and i got a feeling it's gonna be a lot right um, that would be a great neapolitan showdown this is like insane 80s premises for like movies tally it up bro tally it's that perfect. up yeah you're the best you're the best uh, speaking of neapolitan showdowns bring us to the jam Ooh. 
So let's leave it alone Cause we can't see eye to eye There ain't no good guy There ain't no bad guy There's only you and me And we just disagree Neapolitan Showdown, um, top sports documentaries. Stay a little on brand with this. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I have, for my number three, was this hard for you to do? Did you have to kind of dig in the memory bank and go back, or were there just kind of like some some must-watch? Um, no, I, I, I actually was like, I'm not going to go too chalky on this, not to give tip my hand too much. No, yeah. there's, there's a lot that I was like, had to revisit cause I don't watch them too often. Um, but I did, I was, I was looking back. I was like, Oh yeah, that, that was a really good one too. So it was harder to, That's like, right. I, I'm a big console bracket for sure on this. Definitely. And the recall for sports documentaries are a little different, right? Like I remember my favorite movies, but like with sports docs, you, you almost have to be like, was that like, um, you know, an outside the line segment? Right, was that like right. an article I read? Like, I was kind of like, I couldn't remember, like, you know, like I kind of dig it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because right. there was the, um, not to get too off course, but there was like the story of like Phil Ivey and like this older woman that he teamed up with that saw like the way cards were marked at the casino and then took like uh, a couple casinos for like a couple million dollars. Oh, shit. And then they like made him give the money back. It's a fascinating, we'll, uh, we'll throw that up on Instagram. You know, all these things we say we're going to throw up on Instagram and then I forget to do. Thinking <laughs> about right. to be one of those also. Just yeah, perfect. Wait, wait, wait. They was this, uh, was that an outside lines or was that an actual movie? No, I think it was a podcast. Oh, okay. I think it was a 30 for 30 podcast. So I was like, and I did they get in trouble? They got in trouble for it. They had to give the money back. They got in trouble. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if he had to pay it back or not, or if it's still in litigation, but yeah. So they basically, um, the way the cards, they didn't mark them or anything. Just they noticed uh, the people that the designers of the deck, whatever, like it wasn't a perfect, like linear, like you could tell the bottom oh, of the yeah. card from the top of the card. Oh, gotcha. So you're allowed to shuffle them. And so they would, I think, turn the aces like the other way. And then so when it came down, you could slightly tell the difference. Jeez. But it was also, man, I'm fucking butchering this but they could tell the dealer the way to deal the cards. And it was just like, Oh, like set them down like the same way each time. And it was so like, they kind of like, it was a little mind control over the dealers to have them laid sure. down so they could actually like exploit it. But it was See, like, that's one of those things where I'm kind of like, and maybe we should save this for gambling corner and get, just get into Neapolitan. Let's dog it is for, for gambling corner. Cause that's kind of in that, in that realm. Okay. Or do you just, you just, just want to talk about it now? I don't care. It doesn't matter we'll to me. We'll talk about it yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, fuck you i found an inefficiency yes. in this well yeah suck my dick dude make better cards exactly yeah it's a little bit like that's it's not my job to make sure like the equipment yeah. you're used and everything and i kind of feel that way about counting cards like it's just like this is i'm not using a pen and paper like but then i also go back it, it is the right to a casino to ask anyone to leave it just seems like shitty that it's just like oh someone's finally starting to win so you're gonna tell us to yeah yeah F yeah exactly first off it's impossible to do like the plus one plus two like especially in that fa i mean maybe not impossible obviously people have done it it's very hard to do it i'm sure you could probably train yourself to do oh, it yeah, fuck, i changed my mind okay <laughs> you're right so next week we're gonna do brandana gambling corner 
tune in. We'll talk about uh, like cheating casinos. I'll get more information on this story. I'll tell exactly. I'll tell some other cheating. All right. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Brandon. Cheating casino. Brandon again with Corner next week. Guys, you're going to love it. Ah, well, let's, let's trudge through old 117 until then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's called a Uh, tease party. (laughs) In my bottom spot, I have survive and advance. Um, It's part of that 30 for 30 series. I think it's uh, NC state is what an eight seed. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, so it's just like 1983, I, I, right? 1983. Yeah, I had just uh, and everything like you know, coaching, coaching legend, and it's just it's it's nice to see. Like I think all of us have kind of read that story, but sports happened so quick. It was just nice to see it all kind of like we know Volvano from like um, the ESPN thing they do like for yeah the ESPs right yeah ESPs yeah and like yeah his speech and everything was absolutely oh. incredible yeah uh, and you hear the story but it was like so great just to put it in context and like beating Houston and just kind of like how they put that run together because everyone that knows the NCAA tournament like a run like that takes like a month you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying like just like yeah. takes and to see it like just kind of really played out and laid out you just really feel the gravity of like what these guys pulled off yeah and Valvano couldn't have been like a better like starring role right a, a guy that you could totally get behind exactly. and i love uh i think it was in that my my favorite thing in that is when he was first coach i think it was for rutgers i think it was even the jv team do, do you remember this story in there when he was like he was super nervous and he'd read uh and he'd read a book about from vince lombardi and he was like you know uh, you know this is a great speech and he's like you know i'm gonna go in there i mean actually maybe it might have been his uh SP's award. Now I'm see this is where it's like you're right. It's yeah. like you mix it up. But he's like, he goes, you know, it's like, you know, Lombardi's like, you know, you know, the only thing you gotta do is is like, you know, trust, you know, in, in your family and your faith and the Green Bay Packers. And he's like getting all this thing and he bursts through the door and he can't get the door open. <laughs> and then he's like, you know, gentlemen, like, and he was gonna replace it with Rutgers basketball. Yeah. And he fucking is like, you know, family, faith, and Green Bay Packers, and like runs out of there. And it's like it's so great. It's so good. Melvano is just like the great greatest guy to watch man uh and my number three uh i'm gonna stay on the college basketball tip you knew this probably was gonna come a 30 for 30 uh i know they didn't get the participant of chris weber in there probably takes down a peg but i'm gonna go with the fan five i don't fucking care you're not gonna change my mind about how much I love the Fab Five, what it meant to me. Bald head, black socks, black shoes, baggy pants. Shock the world. Let your nuts hang. God damn it. Is it is I think that's what we kind of keep returning to with these sports documentaries. Is it just so nice when the moment passed? Because think about sports, like sports, sports is like a football season starts, but then there's like some basketball player like college basketball still involved so it all kind of just gets shuffled together like a deck of cards and the sports right. documentary just does a nice job of just extracting what that moment was and just putting that on a timeline for you to yeah. really see it's just like holy shit like this was a fucking this was a moment you know this yeah. was a movement this was this shifted the way kind of like college basketball player like wore the shorts or whatever like it's more than that mm-hmm. but it was just like oh to yeah. see this all come together and kind of know the ending it's yeah it's great to watch and that's uh yeah always gonna talk about the fat five game yep. 100 uh my second kind of in that uh switching veins but this is more of just looking at one star of just that absolutely dominated their field at a time when we were kids so to really just be able to put that in context and kind of see the journey of it uh the tyson doc 
Ooh, Classic. Yeah. yeah, really good. Yeah, I mean, and even now, just making the rounds and social media with a 50, like, three- or four-year-old Tyson looking good, looking clean and mean, man. He was, like, a, a force of nature back in the day. And it's interesting to put it all, like, again, on that timeline of, like, let's see this guy from the Customato days back in the day when he was in Brooklyn and just up and coming and then, you know, kind of spinning out. Again, we talked about with Jordan, right? It's like Tyson fell prey to, you know, he couldn't go around probably people challenging him, testing him and fell prey to, you know, his own hype and his own, uh, you know, self-worth and spun out when Buster Douglas and then obviously everything that happened, uh, you know, thereafter and the, you know, going to prison for rape and all that other stuff for sexual assault, I should say. And it's like, uh, you know, it, it kind of spun off the wheels there. It, it's it's wild. Yeah, that's has, like, I, I do like the point you bring up too, like, you know, if you're Michael Jordan and you go out to a bar and someone's just like, oh, I bet I, bet I can make a three-pointer further than you can. But like, as a fighter that everybody knows, like, you just, like, just those people, like, Going up to you, getting like a little too physical, just to like challenge you or test you or like kind of dare you. Right. Especially with, <laughs> you know, unlike Jordan, I, you know, I think it'd be unfair to, or uh, fair to say, and I think Tyson would agree on it, it's just like, um, didn't kind of handle the fame or wasn't as prepared for it as Jordan was. And kind of, you know, his, his decisions definitely punched him a little bit. He made some not great ones, but there was still, you know, in his prime, like, I don't know if there's anybody more terrifying to just be standing there crossing. Oh no, yeah, and the, I mean, no fear in his eyes. I mean, yeah, and, and like an era of just like you know, an era of boxing that you know, we kind of miss. Like you, you know, you look at the Mayweather's now or the like Pacquiao's, like whoever kind of dominating the belts. I, I know that's like different weight class, but we just don't have that. Just like that ruthless destroying the ring that is just like fun for everybody to follow. Yeah, Deontay Wilder was the closest. Tyson Fury's up there too. That was a great match, but it didn't come in with the same fervor and like froth that we were like, oh my God, like we all need to collectively watch this guy. There is a little charisma. Tyson had it. Jordan had it in 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 buckets full. And uh, yeah, it's great to see. That's, that's what these are. They captured their time capsules. Uh, my number, f- it's so funny that we're, we're pretty dialed in on this, Brandana. Um, I went with another boxer. I know you're going to be su- surprised by this. I went with When We Are Kings, or When We Were Kings, excuse me, 1996 documentary, Thrill in Manila, uh, the fight between George Foreman and Ali. If you've seen the movie, the, the documentary movie with Ali, with Will, Will Smith, it's basically like a like they're just redoing that movie right it's yeah. fantastic but you're seeing the real ali you're seeing these candid moments you're seeing that charisma it is it's it's a great documentary to watch it's kind of hard to find i think you, can get, you probably get it on amazon prime for sure uh, but it's not everywhere it doesn't get played a ton uh it's just great it's a ton of candid stuff uh and there's a lot of great um accounting of what happened and of sense of that moment Norman Mailer, George Plimpton, um, uh, uh, shoot, James, B.B. Uh, King, James Brown. A lot of these guys were telling like what it was like to be there. I mean, Don King wanted to make it like this black Woodstock in Zaire in the middle 70s. It's this, it's this insane time, the same era and craziness. But then in it, you get to understand and see like, culturally the impact that Ali had and the Ali Boumaye and like that that great scene in the Ali movie where it's like it's you know it's he understands you know the Will Smith character understands like Ali gets that it's greater than 
just boxing. It means more to these people in this in in Africa. It's 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 all right there. It's really good. It's really strong. Uh, visually, it looks great. It's well it's well put together. It's really good. All right, I know the guys at the Ringer podcast, which we listen to a lot. I think uh, I heard them once bring up like this rivals before the Jordan doc series is like the greatest kind of documentary. I need to check it out. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, so definitely, I'll definitely look that up and see what the score is. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's definitely. I think it's a little bit. It's like you know, it's from the '90s, so it's a little paced, a little slower, but um, it's good. I mean, it's if you love Ali, if you love boxing, you understand the the cultural impact of this time. It's pretty good. Check out um, my number one. I have um, Free Solo. I don't know if you've seen this. I uh, did, did see count, this. Did count rock climbing as a sports movie, which I don't think anybody would agree. Um, it's just this. I, I gave it my number one spot because uh, sometimes movies come along and they simply win by just how much technology advances. Right. Like they just have so many cameras that they're plugging on the rock. Uh, in so many different areas it's kind of interesting too because they break the fourth wall so you hear them talking about like how they're going to shoot it how i mean the premise is it's this guy's a free solo like what are you going to climb up the face of a wall that no one's ever survived climbing up with like no rock rope or anything so you know as soon as you get like 40 50 60 100 feet off the ground you fall off of it like you're dying and people have died falling off the rock and so the whole movie is building up to this thing and it's just like it's real the coverage is great because you can see him as he moves up the rock. And I mean, just stakes don't get higher than yeah. if he fucks this up, like he's going to die. So it, like, sure. it, it's just super gripping. Uh, no spoiler alerts, but he is still with us. Yeah. Alex Honnold, Honnold, I forget how he pronounces that name, but he was, he was great. in the fact that like, again, the same thing we talk about with Jordan, I know we're going to talk about Jordan, but like the focus, right. I mean, it's like the competitive, like against himself. Yeah. It almost, it almost seems weird. Cause it's just like, it's, it's an obsession where you see there's not going to be any cure for it. Yeah. And it's like literally all he cares about, like relationships come and go. Like he lives in a camper, like just right. by rocks. Like he's just obsessed with climbing. Right. And his, his girlfriend was like, who was, she was great in it. She was super supportive of it, but you could see how vexed she was. Yeah. And he, and he was just like, I, I just got to do it. And it was just like, like you said, like obsessive, maybe yeah. a little narcissistic on, on one front, but I think ultimately just a, I need to feed whatever is inside me in order to, to feel, to feel that I, you know what I mean? It, it's uh it's definitely a very interesting watch for sure. Yeah. It's uh I mean, I don't want to pick on her. I think she, I went a little bit. Of the other oh, I wasn't trying to pick her. on her. No, 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 no. 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 I, I know, but I'm, I'm going to. Oh, like, okay. Saying, tough hang. Um, a couple weeks with her, I might try to climb up a rock with no ropes. That's all I'm gonna say. I just run up to rock, like it. Like it. give it a whatever may happen. I'm a free solo. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Rock <laughs> tree solo in this relationship. All right, brother, what do you got for the number one spot? Uh, number one, I, I, you're never gonna convince me otherwise. It'll be always. Right. My, I know it's gonna be chalky, 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 but I'm gonna go with hoop dreams. The story of Arthur Agee and William Gates, you couldn't have gotten a better juxtaposition of two, like what it would be to be an all-star 
athlete coming up the stakes of just them even just getting to college and all that is riding on them from the pressures of their family to poverty to everything to things not going the way that they were and Arthur getting cast off and then get sending getting sent to Marshall High School of an inner city school where he was once at this like prestigious you know Catholic prep school William Gates who's got all this pressure on him he fucking blows out his knee still comes back and is able to get a scholarship to Marquette. You know, Arthur H. E. bounces around the Juco realm. Uh, you know, his dad is addicted to crack. Uh, you couldn't have found like this, like perfect story, this dichotomy of, you know, having special talents and then it getting, you know, blown up because of the pressure or just, just how life is, is cruel at times. And seeing this through these like, you know, teenage kids trying to play basketball yeah it's it's think, insane yeah it's, it's always great too like when you get on the ground early with like some of these docs i was trying to look for like the great examples where it's not like it's almost like the jinx you know like the jinx the yes. um, i mean it's it's fucking dark obviously but for the producer side the whatever the the accident they stumble into which ends up putting a perfect button on the entire doc which is him admitting the crime at the end so it's just you know it's it's strong storytelling and it takes a little bit of just you know luck involved to like get involved in the story on the ground floor and then really just kind of have it shape out just the the dichotomy that you're yeah. really looking to just kind of like show yeah it, great it's great storytelling it's two plus hours it's a long watch i get it the pace is slow people will nitpick it to death but i mean it's a, a if you just want to if you extrapolate basketball from it and just look at it from a human interest piece it is incredibly moving it is touching yeah i love it Console bracket. You want to go Conso. over some consoles? Uh, yeah, real fast. Let's wrap up. Okay, got? I got. Uh, you don't know Bo. Bo Jackson story, fantastic. Yeah, the best likes that never likes the bone arrow. That likes I wish. You, arrow. I wish. You, uh, yeah, I wish it was a little bit more dynamic. Yeah, but maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe like fear, like intimidating. I don't know. Like he just seemed like this guy that. Yeah, yeah. I used to play baseball and football, and now I don't anymore. He yeah, yeah, yeah. Bone exactly. arrow collection. Uh, the best that never was the Marcus Dupree story, the, the prep guy that was unbelievable. That Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the bad boys documentary. I'm always going to love that. Um, Dogtown and Z boys skating. Okay. I need to check uh, that out. Great. It's really good. It's uh, they did a, they did a Lords of Dogtown movie after that one, but actually seeing Stacy Peralta, Jay Adams, Tony Alba, Zephyr, for, Zephyr surf shop, kind of the infancy of skateboarding, a young Tony, young, young Tony Hawk. Yeah. Really interesting. And uh, I love, you know, kind of seeing like this, like perfect little like thing come out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Just sprout up. It was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, the start of any kind of movement that hangs around now, like whether it be like, you know, like there's plenty of documentaries about just like whatever, like West coast rapper, like gangster rapper or whatever, just yeah. like kind of seeing like something a skateboard is kind of like that too. Right. It just kind of happens in this small little thing and kind of explodes up and then just becomes kind of, kind of moving. Absolutely. Um, I had, um, of course I had Rand you, which yes. is uh, Randy Moss. Randy Moss is just a good interview. Like he's yeah, just yeah. like really good on TV. Like he's just very open. Like, and it was, it's just kind of fun to like hear his story, see where he came from. And it's very open about his mistakes. And then, you know, just kind of openly talk about him. And uh, the Andre the Giant doc. I oh, yeah, yeah. I almost forgot about that on HBO, but it was, um, you know, were you into wrestling at all? I was like, super I, into wrestling, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I was in and out, but I, I think there was four or five years that I was like, really, but just watching some of the old stuff, you're just like, oh, this is about as fucking nostalgic as it gets. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right, brother, let's, uh, we're going to cut uh, the game of the coder. We'll, uh, we got two to double down to, we'll throw those on next week to try to keep honest with this hour of power. Um, MVP of the week, who do you got, brother? Ooh, um, I'm going to go with uh, whoever they were. I don't know who they are, but they pulled off the ultimate Bart Simpson prank. Uh, the governor of Mississippi, did you hear about this? No. The governor of Mississippi was doing, obviously they're doing virtual graduations all across the land. The governor of Mississippi is reading off different names and comes across Harry as crack. Good job <laughs> for you kids. Whoever you guys were, uh, made me laugh really hard. Even in the pandemic, you guys are showing a little levity in the moment. So I think that was great. And uh, way to sneak it past them. Way to sneak it past them. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh, I got to go to school. My school wasn't quite big enough to pull that off. I think we had like 28 to 30 kids senior year. <laughs> be like, that would kind of stick out like a sore thumb. Um, I'm going to go to like Michael Thomas, uh, not be able to take a joke. I don't know if you saw this, but he got into a little feud with um, Devontae Parker. Um, look it up. It was basically like you just had to pick A or B. And, like the B option was just, it was like what's harder or like more like that. It was like what's harder to do. And it was just like, a knock a pass out of Michael Thomas's hand was B, but Devontae Parker went with A, and then like Thomas did not take it lightly. So they just go back and forth, and he's just like, and Parker was just like, yeah, like I'd have your stats if I was targeted like 300 times a game, and he's just like, you know, he was like, I I I pass you in receptions like, and it takes like in one year what it took you to do in three, and they're just going back and forth, and it's just like, I sometimes I like that intensity in my athletes, like Michael Thomas not fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, holy out. shit. Uh, all right guys this has been the mab sports podcast episode 117 got two gambling corners we know coming up we're going to talk about online home poker games and then we're going to talk about cheating at casinos those will be hot one big thing we have coming up is we're doing the mab sports podcast all-time nba team draft we got uh seven great listeners we reached out to to be a part of it uh, guys, you're going to have plenty of access to this. We're going to post a game. Basically, we're uh, all going to draft eight teams. We're going to put those in a tournament, which we'll simulate. Uh, most awesome of myself are just – we're actually going to broadcast a couple of them. You'll be able to watch them all. Definitely more details to come, but we should have that on the podcast. Should be next week, episode yep. 118. Yep, absolutely. Some, some part of it. But uh, just follow the Instagram. Plenty of posts on that. I am Brandon. I wanted to sign yourself off. Most awesome. And to follow up with the commencement of this pod – 117 congratulations to brandana most awesome and one potty mabs crack Runway, style, fame, she likes fashion.